Hey everybody, this is Ariel from 3AE, where God is greater than anything and everything, and I am going to try to get through this entire recording without saying, um, or like. That's not what the title is, but whatever. Anyway, I think I owe it to you to revisit some parts of my testimony. Not because I'm being extra, but because in the first season, a lot of things were just hella depressing. And so I want to let you know that although the process does have parts where it hurts, I want you to see that there is truly beauty on the other side of it. And I want you to kind of see the different stages of my thought process. So it's been around, uh, I'd say two years and some change since this particular incident. But I am going to describe what I mentioned before in a previous recording. I'm not sure which recording. And then I'm going to tell you how I see that situation now. So around two years ago, I was going through a lot and many of my friends recommended that I seek professional therapy, that I seek a counselor, psychiatrist, psychologist, somebody to help me with what was plaguing me. And I wasn't offended by that. I didn't feel like they were wrong. I knew that I needed help. And it wasn't something that I was opposed to doing. It was something that I'd always been kind of interested in. I had seen a therapist before, and I'm sorry if you hear me moving in my hand gestures or whatever. But it was something that I had, you know, done before. It wasn't something that I was afraid of. I just hadn't made time for it. But in this particular season of my life, it felt extremely necessary. So I go to this first appointment, cry my eyes out, and pretty much this therapist, she agrees with my perspective of the situation in the sense of you know me saying I felt like I had PTSD or different situations and how they were contributing to my thought process or different things that I knew were bothering me whatever whatever and she wanted to meet I think twice a month something like that long story short as I said in the previous recording whichever recording that might be Money was funny, couldn't afford it, was nowhere near hitting my deductible, was going to have to pay out of pocket, and I was high-key exhausted. I was exhausted mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and hearing that my insurance wasn't going to cover it, and I didn't have any other idea in that moment of how this was going to get done. And so I resigned myself to just not getting therapy. And because of this, and because of knowing what I was going through, because of understanding the depth of my own emotion, because of understanding just everything I was feeling in that season, I felt discarded. I felt like a stepchild in the kingdom of God because so many of my sisters in Christ had been able to get therapy. Something had worked out for them. But in that season, Even if there was some answer, even if there was a ram in the bush somewhere, I didn't have it in me to look for it. So what I did in that point, and this isn't to depress you. Let me just kind of start off by saying that. This isn't to depress you. I am going to get to the point of why I'm sharing this testimony with you. Where was I in my thought process? Sorry, y'all. 
so what I did was I threw myself into ministry. Whenever my church started something um, new or someone within the church started something or whenever you need a volunteer, I was going to be there. I was going to distract myself from my emotions. And if I wasn't doing something at church or for my job, I was asleep because I did not want to think. There came a point where I was more willing to like pray, journal. There was a prayer call. I was on it. Um, oh, I said, um, sorry. There was a prayer call. I was on it. Having people pray for me, having people intercede with me, leaning on my church family a lot in that particular season of my life. And journaling a lot, making new friends. And not saying I discarded my other friends, but saying that my new friends also helped me in this process. Just building relationships, strengthening relationships, and really just getting to know God more deeply. And granted, there were still times where these emotions were still flaring up. There were still definitely times where I really just did not want to think. Because if I sat with my thoughts too long, it was going to hurt. And so this went on for quite some time. Long story short, one of my friends, I'm not quite sure what ended up happening. I'm not sure if I had just been ranting to her or confiding in her or whatever. She ended up sending me videos about deliverance. And it wasn't that I didn't know what deliverance was. I think I just didn't have a really good understanding of it. I had been exposed to it. I had been delivered from spirits of premature death and suicide before so I knew it was a thing I knew that it was within the house I knew that it was a promise of God but I don't think I understood the just how much could be still going on in me how many things I could have been carrying it was like these demons were on time release or something anyway so long story short I ended up learning a lot about deliverance and spiritual warfare in this season. And a lot of the things that looked like personality disorders or depression or whatever it was, a lot of these things were spiritual for me. Not saying that that's true for everybody else, but this is my story. This is my testimony. This is me revisiting my testimony. And... I know I've mentioned it before and I'm going to mention it again. Prime example. One of the things that my pastor preached was Mark 1.23 to like 28 or something like that. And it's pretty much when Jesus is in the synagogue, he's preaching. And then this man, the unclean spirit in him, the demon in him, starts to cry out and say, I know who you are. Have you come to torment us? I know, like, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. And then Jesus like, hush, get out of him. Pretty much this spirit started to manifest within this man or these spirits. It was multiple because it said us. These spirits started to manifest within this man under Christ's preaching. And so one day I was sitting on my couch and I started feeling tormented. I started feeling like I was having a panic attack. I was hot. I felt like God was leaving me. All of these things. Only for it to hit me, because my pastor had just preached about it, that that wasn't me. Like, I wasn't afraid that God was moving the finish line. I wasn't afraid of God leaving me. I wasn't afraid of God not keeping his promises. I wasn't afraid 
of being left behind. But if I was delivered, this demonic entity in me was. And that is indeed what happened. So I remember sitting there having this revelation. And then I bound that thing in Jesus' name. And I cast it out of me. And that was that. Praise God. And that wasn't the only time something like that has happened. I think that particular day is when I realized how much of the things I experienced weren't me. I think that's the day that kick-started me realizing when my emotions were a demonic manifestation of something else. And so there have been times since then where I would be really fearful, really just under attack and then realizing I was fine 10 minutes ago or realizing I did whatever I did because I had faith in God. So why am I now feeling like God is going to abandon me in this thing I had faith for? This can't be me. And it just started this cycle of deliverance and just being aware when I was under attack. It was that preaching my pastor did. There have been preachings by Isaiah Saldivar, Alexander Pagani, Jenny Weaver, John Ramirez. As you can tell, I watch a lot of what Isaiah Saldivar does, which is why I've seen all these people. That's neither here nor there. But the point is, for me, God started to definitely use deliverance. He used, of course, his word, spending time with him so that I could hear his voice, so that I could start to tell the difference between his voice, my voice, and an enemy voice. And being willing to lean into that process. Why am I telling you all of this? I feel in the first time that I presented my testimony or that particular part of my testimony that I still ended it on this depressing note. I feel like I kind of alluded to not knowing why God did it that way and just kind of leaving it there because I had no answer. The person I am right now, the person in the last two or three hours who's just been talking to God, I see now that he didn't give me what I thought I needed, which was the money to see a therapist or, you know, my insurance covering it or whatever it was, because he wanted to teach me spiritual warfare. He wanted to teach me about deliverance. He wanted to show me the importance of fasting and deliverance. He wanted to make these what just seemed like something in the Bible, he wanted to make it real to me and he wanted it to become a part of my arsenal and he wanted me to be free. So I'm not saying for other people, for you, you don't need therapy and I'm not even saying that I wouldn't see a therapist ever. What I am saying is that the things that I was experiencing and the things that were manifesting, those weren't just human emotions. Those weren't just you know, the products of a little trauma here and there or brain morphology. These things were demonic in nature. The heaviness, the torment, the fear, the feelings of futility, the feelings of being in this cycle that wasn't going to end, this fear of God, this fear of being discarded, none of those things were human. They were so heavy, so just burdensome, just so many things because they were never meant to be housed in a human vessel because those were not human human anything they weren't human emotions 
They weren't things orchestrated by Holy Ghost. Those things were demonic in nature. These demons are fearful. These demons are tormented. These demons are depressed. These demons are projecting their own rejection onto the children of God and whoever else they happen to inhabit. So all of these emotions running parallel to my own and not understanding that somebody could be living in me. The Bible talks about, uh, didn't say it, the Bible talks about you know, you casting out the strong man, wandering him, wandering in, in dry places and then coming back to try to find or come back to his house with, you know, seven or eight other spirits, however many spirits it says. And so things can inhabit us. It happens for me. For me, God did it his way and not my way. I wasn't discarded. He didn't love me any less. He didn't love me any more than anybody else. For me, I needed to learn deliverance. I needed to learn warfare. And I needed to be delivered, as I said those three things previously. And I feel like I owe it to my God to praise him for that, to give him glory for that, to honor him for what he did. And I feel like I owe it to his children to tell you the end of the story. Or end of that part of the story. I don't really know how to word it. But yeah, I owe it to you. You have every right to know the fullness of this testimony and to not be left hanging. And God has every right for you in time to know the end of the story so he can be praised. I don't want you to think that he isn't worth the honor and worth the glory. I want you to see that sometimes you just got to stick it out for you to be able to see that thing in hindsight. And so my previous recordings, I'm not going to delete them. Can they be embarrassing? Yes, of course, they are. <laughs> they definitely are. But they show you my perspective of my process when I was sort of out of it, but not completely. Physically, I was out of my process, but my mind and my heart were still there. There were still things that I hadn't completely reconciled. And now I'm in this place of that. I'm in this place where I don't feel like I have to relive everything. And even in this moment, as I'm talking to you about that, that season, I'm not reliving it. Granted, I might look back at it. And if anything, I feel sadness that I felt those things. But it's not like I'm reliving it. There isn't that dread there isn't that I don't feel like I'm about to cry I don't feel heaviness like I used to I don't feel like something's rising up in me trying to attack by God's grace I'm just telling you this story because I owe it to you and because I'm actually really excited to tell you like God is just really good so that's that the other thing I want to add whether you're a person who you know if your story is something like mine where you really wanted a therapy and you're wondering why God is doing it this way or you're a person who's able to get therapy, or whatever it is, I don't want you to be prideful. And I feel like there was definitely a moment where I became prideful in how God worked that in me. Prideful in the fact that I journaled, and prideful in the fact that I praised, and all of these things that I did on the road to deliverance when my friends had a different path. I feel like I got prideful in thinking that, well, 
so-and-so and I had the same revelation, uh, but so-and-so had to do X, Y, and Z for it. I got it on my couch. You don't get to determine how God works with you or another person. You don't get to decide what this is going to look like. And you don't get to decide what God is trying to teach you in your process. So whether yours looks like mine or somebody else's, don't get prideful and think that your way is somehow, or the way that God did it with you is somehow superior to the way he did it with someone else. You and your counterpart are two different people, and God works things in the way that is best because he's wise. He is the all-wise, all-knowing God. That's what he does. So yeah, don't do that. If you do feel like one of your friends is probably in need of deliverance, you don't get to make them get delivered. You know, that still has to be something they consent to. It has to be something that their heart is in position for. That has to let God work on them. You know, be willing to support them. Be willing to, you know, if they need your your testimony, give it to them. But you can't rush their process and you can't dictate when they are able to see something. And then also when it comes to these things, like I was saying earlier, the depth of the emotions I felt was not human. There are definitely things that we do that are human. <laughs> there are definitely things that we do that are God-breathed. But there is a heaviness that is just unfathomable. And that area is not us. Granted, like I said, I would probably still go see a therapist. There are definitely blind spots that I still have. There are definitely ways that I can treat my friends and my family better and treat myself better. But those things aren't a matter of like spiritual things. It's just needing another perspective. There's a difference to that. There's just a I don't know how to describe it for somebody who might not have ever felt that stark difference. This is the best way I can say it. I still experience a full range of emotion, but none of them are as extreme as they used to be. Like, I can still cry about something, but it doesn't feel like it's the end of the world. I can still get mad, but I don't internalize those things the same. I'm understanding how steady our emotions can be. I don't have to be on these extremes all the time. And it's so beautiful to finally come into this place where I understand what God means by being, is it um, sober-minded? It's beautiful. Let me tell you, temperance is beautiful. And it's not just, you know, you not being under the influence, just this steadiness. It's so cool. I love it here. God is so good. Like, when you experience this level-headedness, it makes sense why when people do dumb things, God's first thought isn't, I'm going to strike them with lightning like man thinks I should. Like, no, it's really great here. So, yeah, I just wanted to, like I said, present you with the end of this story. 
God wanted to show me deliverance. He wanted to show me warfare and he wanted to, to deliver me. It wasn't that I was a second class citizen. It wasn't that I wasn't his favorite version of me or I wasn't his favorite me. I'm his favorite me. You can't be me and I can't be you. I'm his favorite Ariel. Granted, there might be other saints named Ariel, but you get what I'm trying to say. I'm his favorite me. And I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm being transformed and perfected into the me that's in his mind's eye. And he doesn't despise me. He loves me. And so all of those things I felt there wasn't enough therapy in the world to heal me from that demonic oppression. And so I guess really another thing that I want to point out is just we have to be mindful to, in our effort as a church, to not overlook mental health, that we also don't overlook deliverance. For me... I was the opposite side of that coin that people like are, are afraid of. You know, we're constantly telling people, oh, you have a demon. And sometimes, you know, they're like, I just need a med medication. I just need a doctor or whatever it was. And they're feeling shamed or like overlooked or un like they're not heard. And I felt the opposite side of that. You know, the people in my circle, some of my friends were so gung-ho about mental health that nobody was really talking about deliverance for me. And then when I couldn't get, or when I didn't have the, whatever you want to say it, whether you want to say it's my fault that I didn't get therapy, or you understand where I was coming from in that dark place, I don't really know. It, it really doesn't matter. But when I wasn't able, I'm just going to say it, when I didn't get access to therapy, I felt less than a person. I felt like I didn't matter. And I was the opposite side of that thing. Like, I don't matter because this isn't working for me. The thing that you're saying I should do isn't working. And like I think I said earlier in this recording or in a different recording, because I've recorded this multiple times now, you don't get to write the prescription for somebody else's process of healing. My friend's prescription did not work for me. You know, I... It just didn't work. It, I don't know what else to say about it. it just, sorry for all of the sound effects. I was really trying my hardest to make this one sound more professional than the other ones, but I just failed right there. Point is, God told me a lot about my family, about my emotions, about how I process things, about how I see things, what doors were opened in my life, things that I need help with. He uses my friends to correct me. There are so many things that God has done in me and is doing in me. And he loves me still. But because of that state I was in, because of the oppression I was experiencing, I couldn't even perceive his goodness. I was so disconnected from my own testimony. And that is a recording in and of itself. That particular recording, I have no clue how I'm going to even share that part. I ugh. Anyway, point is... The points that I've been making. I keep saying, repeating myself. Anyway, God is good. I love him. He loves you. And I just want you to know that he didn't abandon me. That it, he had a reason for what he was doing. And whatever he's doing in you, he has a reason for that too. So anyway, I am Ariel. This is 3AE where God is greater than anything and everything. 
And again, if you don't know me by now, I want you to know that when I say 3AE, I'm talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We rep Jesus over here. There is no wiggle room. I want you to know what God I serve. That is the God that is I've been talking about. My Father in heaven, through the name of Jesus Christ, and inhabiting me, I have the spirit of adoption testifying of my adoption, testifying that I am blood-bought. That's the God that has done all of these things in my life. But anyway, it's been a pleasure. Uh, have a great morning, afternoon, night, wherever you are. And just be blessed. In Jesus' name. Love you. Bye.